I mean, I have a few rambling thoughts too. Okay. So, yeah, I think it should be fine. Well, I'll ramble, and then Peter will ramble, and then you'll ramble, and then we'll just cut it together. <laughs> Scott will be like, I'm never going to listen. This is what happens when I leave you guys alone. <laughs> I, I think he went on vacation purposely when we're doing kindness. Uh, I do remember. It, it, is was, it is unkind. It is unkind. It is unkind. Or it is coincidental. That now, he kindly sent me the... Um, the blurb. The, the blurb, opening. The blurb, opening, yeah. Which... I feel like is is a great trust. It's a great trust exercise. Welcome to the Faculty Podcast, brought to you by RTS Washington, part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. We have here in the studio uh, Dr. Paul Jean, professor of New Testament here at RTS Washington and pastor at New City Church, and also... We have Dr. Peter Lee, Professor of Old Testament and Dean of Students here, and myself, uh, Tommy Keene, Dr. Scott Redd, and Dr. Gray Sutanto are out and about and have left it to us to talk about uh, kindness, which I think Scott mentioned last week that for him, peace was a, tr- uh, a you know, not a troubling one, but a... Uh, it's the one that gives him pause. And for me, kindness is the one that gives me a bit of pause, not because I don't think it should be on the list, because, but because at this point, I start to have a, a, a sort of definition problem. I start to wonder, what exactly do we mean, does Paul mean by kindness? And we're going to run up against this problem, I think, next week as well when we talk about goodness, and because what is the difference between kindness and goodness? And does Paul want us to just sort of bundle these all together? Is he just sort of heaping up uh, various, ad, you know, similar words and concepts, uh, and they're not to be tightly distinguished? Or does Paul mean something distinct by kindness and goodness and some of these other fruits uh, that he mentions uh, in this list? Uh, what do you guys think in terms of just the definition of the word and the distinctive uh, c- kind of concept that Paul is talking about here? What does he mean by kindness? Well, you know, Tommy, so I'm not surprised because you teach hermeneutics, so you have great instincts. But I think that that question, uh, your initial question is a good question to consider. So like, for instance, how precise should we be in our interpretation of its occurrence here, right? So it's like very similar to if you're asking me to describe a particular food, and I just say, oh, it's good, it's tasty, it's savory. And so I'm offering something general or if I'm offering something more like of a recipe where mm-hmm. you know precision matters. And I think that actually makes a big difference because if you take the latter approach of more precision, then there's a way to be so precise that you can actually misinterpret the text, right? right? And so you know, I was thinking about it because right before uh, the quality that Paul mentions is patience, right? So love, joy, peace, patience. And so what's usually related to patience is like the avoidance of bitterness, right, or passivity. So if you kind of like over-exegete this and take this in a very sequential manner, someone could argue what Paul is saying here is that being constant in your kindness to people when you're tempted to become bitter or indifferent you know, over long suffering. So that's, I think, one interpretation. But I think some people would say, ah, that's like over-interpreting. And so that broader question I think you're asking, I think is fundamental to understanding at least how Paul is using it here 
versus the more general question of what the Bible means by kindness. But what's the key to distinguish between kindness as a concept and kindness here? Yeah, whether two things you asked, like how, like, does Paul want us to look at each attribute in a very kind of microscopic way where we're like dissecting it? Or is he just saying, hey, this is what life in the new age looks like? And mm-hmm. he's offering some. I think that's actually foundational for our yeah. understanding. Which we talked about a little <clears throat> bit with with patience. And mm-hmm. I, I think I need to correct myself that it's patience, not peace. That was the one that we sort of puzzled over, like how how do, how is patience required in the, in right. the new heavens right. and the new earth? But um and we and we wrestled with that a little bit. Like, is this is is Paul doing a kind of such as these, you know, th- these and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or is this are these to be the distinct and inseparable kind of fruit of the spirit? Uh, and I, I I agree. I think Paul is doing that kind of and such as these. That that this is not we're not to be limited to these. Peter, you you and I have been joking about this. In, in the hallways, you know, about, oh, I guess I don't have to be. I, I could be grumpy until we do this podcast. Right. Because now that we're doing kindness, now you feel like, my God, start being kind. Um, I don't know. I think you know a kind person when you meet one. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're, it's helpful to kind of contrast it with what is the opposite. And I, I don't know if we have to be too specific um, as, uh, y- you know, I, you know a kind person when you meet a kind person. You know a a a curmudgeonly person when you meet a curmudgeonly person um uh you know uh, it, it i don't uh, to a certain degree there is a precision of course uh, uh but at the same time i think we have a general sensibility of what we're dealing with i think that's a good hermeneutical instinct too just like when you when you hit a, a word like this and you're puzzling oh, how is it different than kindness than different than goodness or what what does it mean to be kind like our our first maybe a, a first technical instinct is to look it up and we can do that and I've actually got it up but actually a better instinct a better kind of first principle is to just meditate a bit you know who are the kind people in my life what are their what are their characteristics who are the not kind people what what does that mean in the basic kind of structure of of my experience yeah. and and go with go with your gut a bit you don't, you're, we're not going to stay there, but start there as, as an instinct because Paul means this to be an ordinary kind of word. He, he's not trying to be overly precise here. This is an ordinary kind of thing. And so our first hermeneutical endeavor is how does this ordinarily used in my, in my own context? Yeah, there's perhaps a, a, a kind of semantic intuition you know, we, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you you have a sensibility uh, of what the word is, what the word means. Um, you know, if you see someone who is, um, you know, in in tears, you have no idea why, uh, and a person comes over and just, you know, offers the person a Kleenex and just kind of sits with them for a little while, yeah. and you see that. A person would just respond by saying, "You know, that's a real kind person." Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't. There is no real science behind it, but you know it when you see it. As opposed to someone, let's say, who uh, you know uh, trips over himself as he's walking down the sidewalk, and a person walks by and just laughs at him. You know, if someone will look at that and say, "Dang, that wasn't a very kind thing to do." Right. 
and, and so we, we know one uh, when we see one. We, we sense it. We intuitively have this uh, uh, almost God-endowed uh, uh, um, uh, intuition, I guess, is just kind of the word I use when we, when we talk about things like this. Yeah. Yeah, I want you know I wonder about this, and just to give you so I have two quick thoughts on this. Um, I I've been reading that uh, book, uh, the weirdest people in the world, and I think it's called how the West became um, something something like became psychologically peculiar and particular prosperous. So that's going on in my background, uh, and one of the things he talks a lot about is that what we consider intuitive actually may not be. That's, and the reason why I've been thinking a lot about that is, and I don't want to overstretch this, and Dr. Keenan and I were joking about this uh, before the podcast, but the term uh, for <clears throat> kindness is something like Christos or something like that. And we don't want, it sounds obviously a lot like Christ, and so we don't want to make too much of a connection here. But one thing I think that is sound is that Galatians talks a lot about life in the new age. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a, Christological flavor to kindness, right? Where, um, you know, because again, going back to this book, I've been thinking about what certain cultures consider kind, we might actually consider cruel. So, you know, I wonder if there is definitely a Christological dimension rooted in the new age as we're called to meditate on this term. Yeah, absolutely. I th- and, and that's true for all of the fruits in, in, in yeah. one way, that yeah. these are ways in which we become imitators of Christ. And so, uh, you know, that's another good hermeneutical instinct, I think, from, from, your, from your discussion, Peter, is we need to think about examples of kindness, and we can also think about biblical examples, the chief of which is going to be Jesus. Jesus was kind. He had compassion. I mean, I, I guess I was, while you were talking— Paul, I was thinking about how, yeah, Jesus sometimes flipped over tables, but his general disposition when mm-hmm. he sees people suffering, when he sees people in need, is he has compassion on the crowds, and, yeah. and he stops, and he he serves, and he helps, and he, he is kind. I guess, I mean, that is a helpful way of putting it. The, these uh, fruits of the Spirit are, are Christ-like virtues that we can uh, emulate because of our union with Christ, thus the work of the Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, and thus it's fr- the fruits of the Spirit, as he, you know, as Paul said, the Apostle Paul says, as he, as the Spirit works to conform us to the image of Christ, uh, from day to day, um, and so I agree, Paul. There, the I guess the danger of talking about it too intuitively is that it becomes subjective, and we define these terms on our own, uh, and that's not the way that should be seen. It, it is we do have a model in Christ of what these are to look like uh, that we can reflect because of our union with Christ, the work of the Spirit. So Christ was kind. Uh, I was actually thinking the same thing, Tommy, that, you know, that uh, Jesus is one who flips over tables. He's the one who refers to Pharisees as broods of vipers. And, and, um, and I don't know, <laughs> that, uh, kind is not the first word that would come to my mind when I uh, think of a person like that. But when you think of Jesus with the downhearted, you know the yeah. <clears throat> the the impoverished, uh, the, the the ones that are generally rejected in in the communities. Uh, you know he he showed a level of care and, and heart uh, for uh, for those, um, and really displayed a, a sense of kindness. I mean you know you don't necessarily show kindness to broods of vipers. They need to be rebuked. 
But to the ones who are already kind of brokenhearted, uh, you know, they are the ones who really need to be um, treated with a certain level of care and 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 um, and and kindness and 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 right. and he just uh, and he really displays that. I was thinking a lot about actually this term <clears throat> because this is a little bit anecdotal and pastoral. Um, I get asked this question a lot by single men. Um, they they ask if you had to boil down one attribute that you would look for in a, a woman, what would it be? And the background again is like, I've done a lot of counseling over the years and I say this emphatically. I always say, you have to, you wanna look for someone very kind, kind. And they'll almost respond by saying, wait, not a Christian? I'm like, okay, that's a given, like, you know, if you're a believer, but a kind person. And you know, I do actually really like what you said, Pierre, like, because they'll then ask, like, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, in a lot of ways, like, if you have to figure it out too much, like, is this person kind? It's probably a red flag. But <laughs> I do think, like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Pierre, like Old Testament examples, whether this is a good example. But I often think about Rebecca. Abraham's servant is tasked to find, uh, you know, a wife for Isaac, right? Um, yeah, he, he goes, Rebecca. and Rebecca comes and she doesn't really know the guy he's a foreigner basically to her but then offers him a drink and then not only that i think like uh, provides water for like his camels and when you look at that there was something very gratuitous about that she Mm. didn't know he was wealthy she like he was completely an alien but she went out of her way to literally be kind you know and so I use her sort of as a paradigm, as, except for her I- idolatrous behavior later on, as a you know example or a paradigm of kindness. And that actually fits with even Galatians because the context of Galatians is obviously Jew-Gentile relationships. And it's about each group showing that kind of just kindness to those that they otherwise would not. Yeah, I think uh, Rebecca actually is a good example. As I was, um, you know, as I was thinking about today, and uh, you know, I, I really kind of struggled with examples in the Old Testament of um, of kindness. You know, mm-hmm. think of this person, what they did, and your immediate thought is, "Well, that person's really kind." Mm-hmm. And and I really kind of had a hard time with this one. But as you mentioned it, that actually is a good example. Here's a person who um, purely wanted to serve others, no agenda no um no gain mm-hmm. uh there was no sense i'll do this knowing that this guy is so and so and i may reap the benefits of this potentially down the road uh it was just pure service out of sake of service this person's in need i can help i'm gonna do it and uh and it just served a larger divine purpose obviously and and i think that's a real great example of a person who really thought of someone other than themselves you yeah. know uh, uh, I guess there is a certain level of humility uh, as we think about kindness, but kindness is a very other person type of thing. You know, it it uh, it's not about you; it's about others. It, it could be kind of looked at as a way of um, expressing the second commandment, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think that's a great example. David uh, it <laughs> is about perhaps one of the other examples that comes to mind. Tommy, you mentioned in his dealing with um, Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. Which is really extraordinary because, you know, the practice of, um, you know, David had taken over kingship after Saul. The practice in the ancient world would have been commonly would have been that in the new family line of kings, 
you take the sons of the previous kings and you wipe them out. That way you have no challenge to you in terms of a legitimacy to your new kingship. And this would have been a common practice in the ancient world. Uh, Mephibosheth seemed to be aware of the fact that this should happen. Um, and he even acknowledged as much in Second Samuel. But David, and he acknowledges how David doesn't do that. He actually extended incredible kindness to him by not just preserving his life, but giving back his um, inherited homeland. Uh, I, I think it says that Mephibosheth was giving a place at David's table. If you think about it, the pro-Saul element at that time could have established Mephibosheth as the rightful king. He is son of Saul instead of David and really challenged David's rule. So by letting him live, David was really putting his own kind of kitchen in jeopardy, but he doesn't do that. It, uh, out of love, out of respect, out of kindness to Jonathan, to Saul, their heir, his son, that he doesn't kill off, he actually preserves and, and, um, and allows to live and, and, and prospers. It really is a great, great picture of kindness. It's interesting to me as we kind of talk about, about this and try to define what Paul means by kindness that we keep coming back and relating it to other you know, virtues, other kind of concepts that, that we consider virtuous like charity and grace. Kindness when it's, when it's used of God, when God is described as kind, it's, it's uh, united with his grace and favor and, and forgiveness and you know, these kinds of related attributes. Um, and I think that underlines the point that these all go together. That, you know, the, yeah. the, a point that we've been making kind of throughout this series is that they're all, these are interconnected attributes and virtues that, you, you know, that unlike, this, unlike the gifts of the Spirit, they have to be cultivated as a group. Yeah, it's almost a, you know, John Frame would love this, it's almost a perspectival yeah, that's right. type of a thing. You know, uh, you look at a, a, a Holy Spirit man in a manner of speaking, and you can understand him from a from a variety of different angles, you know, through patience, through love, mm. through um, um, uh, and in this case here, through kindness. You know, a person who has been so endowed with the Spirit of God, uh, at least in this case, is one who shows kindness, and by doing so, he is actually. Uh, instilling these other virtues as well and it kind of helps you understand what it means to be kind and how he is uh how he displays these other virtues yeah. as well. okay so i have a question because here at rts one of our i think our unofficial motto is is winsomely reformed and that word winsome has gotten a lot of pushback over the last year or so that uh, who are that the troublemakers yeah <laughs> <laughs> that there that there's this um there's this failure on the part of some reform to stand firm, to to fight the good fight, to fight the bat the theological battles that that we need to fight, um, and and I've heard it described. You know, this the, what what does it mean to be winsomely reformed? It means to be reformed and to be uncompromisingly reformed, but not be cranky about it. We're kind, <laughs> we're we're kind instead of cranky. But is there is does that leave open the possibility of us not standing up for the truth? Yeah. I mean, when do we flip over tables? When do we say you're a brood of vipers? When is the time to you know to stand up and 
and and fight the good fight and when is the time to to be kind not cranky yeah you know i think that's such a great question and <clears throat> something i've been thinking a lot about is um paul's description of like maturity uh, he says like the fullness of christ right and so i think a lot about like we tend to be more either or you know feeling like we have to choose but i think you can really be all these things that's why paul you know provides multiple fruit for the spirit and so in again okay, speaking very practically even if there are people you disagree with fundamentally theologically and so forth right if you just take a moment to observe their lives or just there, there's still plenty of opportunities to be kind to a person mm -hmm. like you know and so i wouldn't overly abstract this where you can on the one hand like fight for truth but like jesus then you can still die for your enemies too you know and so i think that that response can almost be reductionistic uh whereas the new testament is calling us more to a fullness right where we can be all these things and they're not necessarily competing with one another yeah not either or yeah. but both yeah. and yeah and not not kind sometimes and harsh sometimes and it's a good point tommy the question is a good one but i don't think we should mistake in kindness for uh compromise you know truth is truth and we hold to it I think what's helpful, and you know, this is definitely what Paul is getting at, which I absolutely affirm with him, is when we speak the truth, you know, we shouldn't have, we, it doesn't always have to come across as being mean or, yeah. or, or um, hard-spirited. You know, if, for example, someone says something that we don't agree with, we don't have to say, you're wrong, that was dumb. You know that I mean I guess you could, but that's not kind. Um, um, perhaps there's another way of of doing it in a way that is trying to, you know, encourage them that that you know there is another way of looking at this that might be a more sound, or or biblical. Depend you know depending what's being um, uh, communicated. Uh, I know that Paul the Apostle Paul when he says you know, we are to speak the truth in love. I don't think he's talking about it in this context, but it definitely applies, I think, that, uh, you know, we, um, as a Reformed Calvinist community, you know, we we hold so deeply, passionately to doctrine and truth, and that in many ways is sort of the strength of our tradition. But we're not known for communicating that necessarily in a really helpful, um, uh, uh, digestible way. Uh, there is a certain aspect in which I don't think this is true to Calvin himself, uh, and perhaps what we need to uh, re-think re um, through uh, is a spirit in which we communicate our Reformed convictions um, in a way that is um, well-received, that reflects the grace that we hold to so wholeheartedly. It, I mean, if we are the really if we hold to what it means to be saved by grace alone, and we really hold to you know the sovereignty of God and salvation, then doesn't it make sense that the Reformed preachers out there are the ones who should display you know, that sense of, of, of kindness, of grace, as we are communicating this to others? That just makes more sense that way. There's a, perhaps a, um, an unhealthy divide between you know, what, what you know, uh, Dick Gaffney discussed as orthodoxy on one side versus orthopraxy on, on another. And 
Yeah, it, it's and it's hard. I I wonder how. Okay, so we've got this reputation of being cranky. Not we here, at the podcast, but in general, reform f- folks tend to have a reputation of being cranky. How do we correct that? Like, what's the, what's the course? Correct? How do we cultivate kindness both personally and corporately? How do we create a culture of kindness? Fix it, Peter. <laughs> we need to hang, we need to hang out with uh, with uh, with Paul John. No, I'm you know, that, he, okay. He I'm not known for being kind. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, actually, hanging okay, out with you know, kind people—that's a yeah, good. That's, I was actually about to say, but now I feel like Peter's being very unkind. He's mocking me because it's I, universally known I'm not kind. Your brother, I'm trying to encourage you, and I think you just need to be, you know, not so sensitive. I don't know how to say. I hope that came across kind. I was not kind either. <laughs> You, okay, you know what? That was actually really helpful. Um, yeah, I totally agree with Tommy. Like, you have to be around kind people. But <clears throat> my mom said something to me once that was very impression, like impression making. It really left such a deep impression. So I have this like aunt who I don't know how else to put it. She's she's just such a drag. That probably wasn't a kind thing to say, but y- you know, there's one in every family, right? <clears throat> and my mom is so kind to her always takes the hits and to a point where i get frustrated you know with with this uh, dynamic and she said something to me that left such a deep impression she said you know i don't know many people because she's at an age where many of her friends have passed away or you know her parents have passed away who look back in life and say i regret being too kind you know she said you know when you pass away you're not going to regret that you erred on being kinder than not kind and i don't know why that has always made me think rethink how i engage you know people in terms of like was it really worth it so that's actually personally helped me a lot and then of course being around kind people like actually you know dr Rhodes a kind guy i'm Mm -hmm. not just saying he's Mm -hmm. actually very kind i've noticed that peter was kind he's become a (laughs) karate And I'm just a big fan of Tommy, but he doesn't believe anything I say. And mm, I, don't. I don't still know Gray, so the verdict's still out. <laughs> There's so much editing. <laughs> you should send Scott yeah. the, the raw data. Oh. I, think, I think in this case, the less I say, the better. <laughs> there, There is a sense, and I must confess, not, you know, I'm in now my mid-50s, and... Uh, and if I'm being in full disclosure, um, uh, and you know, you guys have said, you know, I've spoken about my kindness in general, and I have, I have appreciated, it, I really have, because the truth of the matter is, is that I have struggled with this. Um, with kindness. Yeah, I have, and <clears throat> and I, I'm not joking. I really am have struggled with it. That for whatever reason, uh, in recent years, and uh, that I, I found, I have found myself to be, uh, becoming a little more. Um, Easily tempered and um, and quick uh, and quick tempered. I don't know if there's a difference between the two, but uh, I'm I'm easily frustrated by a lot more things. Mm. I guess that's what I mean. And uh, uh, and and so you you will hear me, and you guys know this sadly that I'm grumbling all the time. Oh, I can't believe this! Oh my goodness! And and um, so one prayer that I, ha- I have had for myself personally has been, and that might be another thing to do in terms of how do you develop uh, a sense of kindness. It is a fruit of the Spirit, so to pray about it. Mm. 
you know, to be able to have an honest assessment about yourself, which is difficult, uh, but if you are uh, graced enough to be able to do that and and see a shortcoming, to pray about it. And 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 I have prayed about about uh, about this, and and it is something I have conscientiously been trying to work towards. Yeah. Is is why why am I grumpy about this? Why has this set me off? And to realize that there is a certain level of um, uh, lack of grace within me that is manifesting itself in a kind of a frustrated way with others, and that's not right. Um, and uh, it is something that I have been praying through, and and that's why, as a joke, you know, we would say, man. I'm, have to get all the meanness out of me here before we do this podcast because once we talk about kindness now i gotta start being yeah. you know i have to start being kind um uh but there there is some uh aspect of that that um that uh, i worked i don't know if it's older age yeah. you know yeah. or just life and experience yeah, yeah i guess you just sort of wear <clears throat> down yeah. you know uh i've been doing more pastoral work paul as, as you guys know over the recent years and and for that reason, have have been forced to engage with people in real life scenarios where, uh, for the last previous ten years or so, it's all been more hypothetical and theoretical. You know, it's um, it's been discussions in the classroom where you talk about it with students from what you remember, and but now that it's in real life, you re- you remember, boy, this really is tough. Boy, yeah. this, it is hard to 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 love others and 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 to maintain that sort of. Um, kind-hearted aspect of ministry and so well maybe as a final thought i and and to kind of jump on that i did actually look up the greek word for kindness and and to try to get a definition uh for us and it's interesting both uh beat agless's two senses uprightness in one's relation with others and the quality of being helpful or beneficial and it's interesting that both of those have to do with our attitude towards others, that it's others that, to, it's our response to other people that either makes us kind or unkind. And my head went immediately to Philippians 2, where Paul says, you know, cultivate in you this attitude, this this lifestyle that was in Christ Jesus, who considered others, you know, cultivate in yourself an attitude of considering others better than yourself. And I it's a, it's an interesting uh, better better is just such an all encompassing word. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those words. That I, I mean I can see why this this is this person better than me. I can see why they are different than me and how they're better at me in certain areas. But to consider them as better, you know that's that's a tall order, and yet that is the call of of being gracious and kind and merciful. It and, is and good to others yeah. is is considering them their values are better their desi- their time is better you know like that that's hard to do but when i start to think that way my instinct is is to show kindness yeah and uh, you know it's it's dying to yourself it's taking mm-hmm. up your cross um thinking of others before yourself is not our you know our kind of um our intuition, our, our gut, our sensibility, our sinful tendencies is not to is not to do that. Um, I guess that's you know, and and this is something we have touched on. We are talking about you know fruits of the spirit. We are talking about supernatural virtues. That's probably the reason yeah. why it's so hard. We can't do this and manifest this on on our own. Um, 
we see it, and when we see it within us, it's just a real uh, deep encouragement that the reason why is because the Spirit of God has renewed us and is conforming us to do this, and and we rejoice. To, to live grumpy is not a great way to live. I'll, I can testify to that. It's not a fun way to live from day to day, but to live in kindness, to in, in thinking of others, there's something very... Uh, when when you're able to do that uh, and 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 uh, do that consistently, th- there is something very rewarding. There's something very satisfying about it. Uh, but to live in a state of kind of frustration and bitterness, it's just no. It's miserable. Thank God for that everybody. this it for ev- yeah for everybody, not just for you, doesn't but make all the sort. Doesn't make other no, feel I'll better. tell you, it sure doesn't make others feel better. I can I'll tell you that for sure. Um, uh, but thank God that this is a, a fruit of the Spirit. You know, it's something that uh, He will, He has, and will, and continue, and will continue to uh, develop uh, within us. Because the alternative is is just absolutely terrible. Well, thank you, brothers. This has been a, a great conversation. I think I resonate with what Scott has been saying over previous weeks. This is just this particular series. I, I feel like it's not only just a intellectually helpful, but has been. A sanctifying experience to hear from everybody's kind of perspective and and cultivating these these fruits. We're thankful for all of you who are listening along with us, and we hope that the podcast continues to be helpful and useful for you all. Until next time, take care. You landed the plane. I tried to land. You landed the plane. Scott's gonna be like this episode sucks. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. He's gonna be editing. <laughs> <laughs>